Duo Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on to this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you for this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. We got a pretty solid show on deck for you guys. A great week of games coming up and you know college football i i will say college football is officially back i I understand notre dame played uh you know had had fun in dublin basically against navy that was a fun game to watch i I was very entertained by that one but we got college football like back back at this point just finished up preseason all the cuts you know have yourself a good one, Cade York. Best of luck to you going forward, I suppose. But it, we, it, it's been a good week. Been a good week of sports. Good week of games on deck for you guys. And you know what that means. We got a great show on tap for you as, all as well. I'm not just going to let you step past the disparagement on Notre Dame. They played Navy. It was week zero. Navy had a new head coach. I don't know what you were exactly expecting in that one. No, Nothing. I'm just... Uh, I think Notre Dame fans should also take it with exactly that level of enthusiasm. That just is like, yeah, you guys had fun. Okay. (laughs) New head coach in Navy. You guys finally have a quarterback that can throw it well with Sam Hartman. It's you guys were supposed to roll. So maybe pump some of the national title aspirations after beating up on Navy a little bit for some of them out there. Should be a good team, not to discredit Notre Dame whatsoever. Should be a good team this year. Should be a lot of fun. Just, you know, to to paraphrase Mark Twain, rumors of our national title aspirations may be a tad over-exaggerated right now. It's, you beat Navy. Congratulations. That's all I'm going to go with. I'm just going to take it there. That's that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Unbelievable. But on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios, we'll talk with Ryan Donnelly from Meet at Midfield to talk Ohio State football and their matchup with Indiana. Also talk a little bit about college football. He steps in for Kevin Harris, who I guess decided to take a vacation right before the start of college football. I didn't get in depth with him about that, but that's neither here nor there. We'll talk. You you know what, though? I mean, he's going to be working until January. Oh, of course on this one and then i mean we both know harris he doesn't stop just because the season stops he goes and covers the recruiting side of things coaching and personnel changes i mean i guess if there's a week for him to take a vacation this is probably that week but i mean hats off to him but bless his heart he was prepared to try and still do the show with us very true very true if it wasn't for a scheduling conflict with what he's got planned for his trip it's 
I, I give him credit. That's commitment. That That is commitment. He is quite the road warrior in that regard. He very much is. We'll also talk with uh, Finley head football coach Stefan Adams. The Trojans won big against Lima Senior in Week 2. This Friday, they take on Southview. We'll hear from Fostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell. The Redmen lost to Bowling Green in Week 2. They will head down to Bascom to take on Hopewell Loudon this Friday. We'll also talk with Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain coming off a tough loss last week to Allen East. They open up BVC play on Friday with one of their big rivals in Liberty Benton. We may not be at the Frickers in Finley physically, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, and get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. All daily specials are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com. And, of course, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this weekend. It'll all get started Friday night with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Frickers Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games for week three of high school football. On Classic Hits, we'll open up conference play in the Blanchard Valley Conference. Arlington takes on Liberty Benton. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have all the coverage of that one from LB Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFOB, we'll again have coverage of the Fall Story Redmond. They will take on Hopewell Loudon. Matt Com and Tom Grind will have that one for you on WFOB on Friday night. Then after the games, listen in for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will recap all the games for week number three of high school football. You can hear that on Friday once the games have wrapped up. Also, over the weekend, we'll have a little Saturday afternoon high school football action. Macomb will host Beechcroft out of Columbus. You can join Jimmy Nicholson and I live from Doc Miller Field shortly before 1 o'clock Saturday on Classic Hits 96.7. Before we go to a break, though, Matt, with uh, you getting to uh, do our uh, broadcasts over on WFOB for this football season. I'm curious because we haven't really directly talked about it at least. What have been your uh, big impressions uh, of uh, Fostoria so far through a few weeks of the year? I'll tell you what, I like what I see. I really do. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that would like to see a much you know more dominant performance time and time again, and I get that, and I understand, and I'm sure there's also people with the game this past weekend that you look at the score and it's like, oh, it's going to be same old Fostoria. I'll tell you what, they don't quit. That's the thing that I've been impressed with first two weeks in. They do not quit. They play the full game. I, I can think back to just a couple years ago when you, you'd have a game or a situation where Fostoria is down by a score or even two scores. And you know the wheels are going to come off the tracks immediately after that. And it's just going to turn into a disaster of a game for them where nowadays they keep fighting. I mean, yeah, they ended up losing this past weekend, but they put up 14 points in the fourth quarter. They were still driving. They were still giving effort. They were still trying to do the things that they needed to do to win in that game. And the, the talent level is there. I think it's just a matter of putting it all together consistently without making mental mistakes because there was a lot of penalties and a lot of, I don't want to say questionable decisions, just not the not first choice decisions that probably kept them from being even more competitive in the game Friday night. But from what I've seen so far, two two weeks in, one and one, honestly, I've been very impressed. I've been very, very impressed with this team. There's a lot to like. There's a lot of talent on this roster. There's a lot of good things going forward. It's 
they're they're a good team. They they are a good team. This is a team that deserves people's attention. And honestly, the way they play all four quarters, whoever they go against deserves their respect as well. Because you don't want to sleep on this team with the level of talent at the skill position that they have. With that was upside for a quick system, time out. We're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB and Classic Kids 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 730. Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes will be on the field to open up open up week one they will head west to take on indiana pregame will start at two o'clock kickoff comes at 3 30 you can hear buckeye football all season long on wfob we're now pleased to be joined by filling in for kevin harris today will be ryan donnelly founder and supreme leader of meet at midfield ryan how are you doing <laughs> i'm doing well supreme leader is right i kind of run a kim jong-un style ship over there uh no man i'm glad to be joining it so i'm excited for the season and really pumped to see the buckeyes kick off here in a couple of days so obviously the biggest news came out earlier this week with Ryan Day announcing that Kyle McCord will be the starter at quarterback, but he did say that Devin Brown will likely get playing time and hopes to get him significant time on the field as well. Was that kind of the outcome you saw coming from the get-go or were you thinking this might end a different way? I don't know about the get-go, but over the last few weeks, that's kind of what uh, what we've been expecting, I guess. It seems like Cal McCord really closed strong with a great week and a half of practice to end fall camp, um, but was not really able to separate from Brown during spring football, including Brown missing, I think, four of the 15 practices there uh, with a hand injury. And then going into fall camp, uh, it sounds like Devin really kind of had a different element to the offense and played really well. So it's been a pretty tight battle. And I think although, you know, of course, McCord has been named a starter and that that's strong last week and a half of practice practice definitely helps on that end. I do think some of what we saw uh, from Brown throughout fall camp really made this a battle. And, and Day committed uh, to Pete Bamel. I know uh, that he expects to play both with the first teams at the same in his press conference yesterday. And I do think any chance to see some live game reps will be useful. And, and obviously, we haven't seen these guys play a ton of college football. I think McCord has just under 80 attempts in his career, and Brown has not thrown a college pass yet. So, of course, get the chance to see them play some live reps against a real team, even if it is Indiana. Uh, will be really helpful in evaluating these guys, kind of see how the offense moves with them in there. Well, let me start this by saying, since we've uh, used Supreme Leader, uh, long, long live the Donnelly, long may he reign type of situation here <laughs> at uh, meet at midfield. May, may his reign last a thousand generations. But uh, lo looking at this QB matchup or QB battle, I, I guess you could call, because like we kind of alluded to, they're expecting Devin Brown to get some live game reps this coming up game uh, week one here uh, do, do you see it as 
a definitive QB battle that, okay, McCord is going to be the guy, or is there the possibility that if Brown really comes in and lights the place up with those reps that we may be doing this back and forth throughout the first half of the season, really? I think if I had to, you know, put an expectation and obviously, you know, I'm not in the room with those guys, but if I, if I had to guess, I think this is something they want to decide probably prior to their game. And I'd say even by Western Kentucky, uh, like let these guys play it out against Indiana and against Youngstown state, um, get some reps and kind of see what you learn from the process and then pick one of these two uh, by time, by time you kind of get to Western Kentucky, give the real starter, whoever it may be a full game, uh, and then kind of have them ready for Notre Dame to go with that obviously being the biggest matchup in the early part of the season until the Wisconsin game sneaks up a little bit later in October. Um, I, I think that's the ideal scenario. Now, if it's so close where they don't have a clear answer or if, you know, God forbid, both guys are playing poorly and they, they don't fight it out because of that, I think they will take this into kind of riding the hot hand the early part of the season. But I think the ideal scenario is having a firm starter uh, you know, ready to go against Notre Dame and have no controversy by the end of the Western Kentucky game, uh, if not beforehand. I think Brown would have to probably play pretty well to unseat McCord. You would have to make it look fairly obvious. But again, like what we've seen from McCord, you know, he went, I believe it was 18 of 34 in that spring game. It is a spring game, of course. You can't read too much into that. And, you know, in his in his games uh, last season in 2021, I believe he's thrown two interceptions and 80 pass attempts, which is a fairly high number. So, um, look, this is something where I think McCord's play in the field has has not been fantastic as a young player, but obviously has every opportunity in the world to change that perception and come out uh, with some development looking fantastic against against uh, Indiana. And of course, Justin Fields, the same problem with Georgia, right? We didn't really know what he would do. We, he looked pretty poor in his early reps at Georgia, didn't really do much as a passer, and then obviously improved drastically to be one of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history. Uh, and maybe the same guy for McCord. He's a five-star pedigree. Devin Brown was a top 50 recruit himself. I think both these guys have a lot of ability, but if I, if I had to project, I think they want to get this done in a couple weeks, maybe three weeks to have a firmed up starter for Notre Dame. And unless something changes drastically from there, kind of ride with that guy for the season. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB, Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Ryan Donnelly, founder of Meet at Midfield. And Ryan, we are based out of Fostoria, just outside of Finley. So we got to see a lot of Luke Montgomery over the last few years with his time in high school. And no, he was making a push to start at one of the tackle spots. No, he won't be able to, at least for week one, still could have a chance maybe later on down the road. But what's kind of your take on the offensive line and where Luke fits into that potential down the road and what you see for the offensive line moving forward as well? Yeah, I think Luke has really, really impressed in fall camp uh, and looked a lot better than they expected him to. It seems pretty clear that he's passed up. Um, a few other options at tackle, including redshirt sophomore Zed Mikulski, I think probably even redshirt freshman George Patrick. He seems to be a hair ahead of those guys coming as a true freshman, which is obviously fantastic for him. I, th I think he kind of had some growing pains, as every you know true freshman does in spring practice, and then kind of getting there for fall camp really benefited him, and um, he made a big jump. So it's been cool to see his growth. Uh, I think they're going to try to get him some reps relatively early on against Indiana. I don't think he's going to supplant Josh Fryer at right tackle or anything like that. It seems like uh, Josh Simmons is, is completely locked in at left tackle. Um, but the, the, the good part for Luke is he has really proven himself, in my opinion at this point, as the third tackle on the roster through fall camp. And if something were to happen, injury to either Simmons or Fryer, 
it's not crazy at all to expect Luke to be the first guy off the bench to go play those two positions. Um, you know, they could always, you know, play Tegra Shabola, who I kind of maintain is a guard, but they have repped him and cross-trained him a lot of tackle. So Tegra may be still ahead of ahead of Luke, but he is right in that mix there as the third or fourth guy at tackle, depending who you ask, uh, to come off the bench or something were to happen to those starters and to play a fair bit, certainly play with the twos. Um, when hopefully those guys get in pretty early against Indiana, which should not be a super competitive game. Uh, the O-line itself, uh, they they did announce the five starters uh, from left to right with Josh Simmons at left tackle, Donovan Jackson returning at left guard, uh, redshirt freshman Carson Hinsman winning the battle at center uh, over transfer uh, Victor Cutler from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you have Matt Jones back at right guard, and then at right tackle is Josh Fryer. I think they trust that unit a fair bit. Um, center is a concern for me, just a bit of an undersized guy with a redshirt freshman playing there. But I, I think the options behind Hinsman are much more concerning. And Hinsman was a pretty highly regarded recruit, a top 200 player. Um, it's good to see some of this youth movement get involved, right? We have Tegra Shabola as a sophomore. Uh, Luke Montgomery, as you mentioned, as a freshman. Carson Hinsman as a redshirt freshman. Uh, all going to be pretty involved in the reps there and playing a fair bit. It's good to see those young guys and the products of Josh, of rather of uh, Justin Fry's recruiting uh, come along pretty early and kind of really give some opportunities to play in a system. So, uh, I think they are settled that top five right now. I don't expect a ton of rotation with first team reps. I, I don't think there's anyone who's going to take one of those jobs. Uh, but if an injury were to occur, uh, or if maybe Luke Montgomery looks fantastic the second team, you know, I don't think Simmons and Fryer are so locked in that it's impossible to think a dominant performance could keep him off the field. I think he's impressed them a lot and they want to see him play uh, and get a chance to see him in live game reps against, you know, big 10 opponents. And um, Indiana's defensive line, frankly, doesn't have, a ton of guys on it, right? There's not a ton of uh, a ton of NFL talent here, a ton of all Big Ten talent even. There's not a lot of guys that are going to scare you to go play on a Sunday. They do have one pretty impressive defensive end, Andre Carter, who transferred in there from Western Michigan, produced seven and a half sacks last year, was one of the best defensive linemen in the MAC. And I think in a chance to see uh, any of these tackles, whether it's Luke, whether it's Simmons, whether it's Fryer, get the chance to play against him and hopefully kind of get them some one-on-one reps on a tight end or running back helping too much. Should be a good litmus test what we can expect out of these guys. They play better players down the season. Now, I am curious because uh, offensive line play, that that's my jam. Uh, I, contrary to popular opinion, go. I was not a wide receiver back in the day or running back. And <laughs> that's evident by anyone who, you know, has eyes that work. But <laughs> Uh, my my question is this: with you and me movement, both, Matt, you and me both. <laughs> I was like, with with that youth movement you're talking about on the offensive line, I, I'm with you. I'm excited about the fact that uh, Coach Fry's recruiting has been going well. But flip side, of that d- does it give you some pause about the potential for the depth that they have on this offensive line? If we're talking about sophomores and true freshmen, people like that potentially being those first people off the bench. That's great. Maybe they are top tier guys. I mean, we watched Luke Montgomery dominate people for multiple years up here. By the flip side, you know, you get to those, you get to Michigan, you get to Michigan State. It's, uh, I start to pause a little bit if it's a freshman or sophomore coming off the bench as the first guys up for the O line. So, does that give you any concern, or is this just a byproduct of great recruiting? I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think they had some some very obvious misses at recruiting. Uh, under the previous O-line coach there uh, with Greg Sudrawa. And I think they, they had, some of those players who are maybe the the ninth, the 10th, the 12th guy uh, in the offensive line room 
were frankly not up to Ohio State standards, right? And they had to recruit over and replace those guys with youth. So the, the overall depth, I think, going down the roster is not fantastic. However, that too deep, I feel pretty confident in. Uh, the one exception I would say is center. I think if something were to happen where Carson Hinsman can't perform or gets hurt, I am fairly worried about the backup options with Victor Cutler and uh, junior Jacob James from outer Cincinnati. However, uh, the guys at tackle, you know, I, I know I pointed out those top those top three or four. Uh, Tegger Tishabola, I think, is the sixth man that's in the line. He looked very, very good as a freshman last year in limited reps. I think he is a bit of a muller and a guy who's going to start Ohio State for at least a couple seasons. A uh, very good football player who I have full trust in if he were to come in, especially at guard. I still have a little bit of question about his feet at tackle. We've seen him play less there. Uh, he looks more like an interior player to me, but they seem to disagree and want to play him outside of tackle as much as they can. Um, I think he is fantastic as a sixth option. Uh, obviously, Montgomery coming along as a freshman uh, at tackle. And then uh, you also have a fifth-year senior, Enoch Vamahi, who's played a good bit, made a start last year uh, for Ohio State. Uh, I want to say that was the Indiana game, if I recall correctly, but don't quote me on that. Uh, he came in and started at least one game and at least has some you know real rep playing experience. Uh, he's played he played in Ohio State's playoff run in 2020 and has been on this roster for quite a while, been in the two deep for quite a while. Uh, I don't know. He's a guy you want to start all season long, but they do have some real game reps behind those top five. So no one's going to mistake this for Michigan's O-line where they have like probably nine starting quality players for five spots. However, uh, I think it is a group you can definitely survive with and, and survive two or even three injuries if you have to, uh, as long as they don't come at center. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Talking with Ryan Donnelly, founder of Meet at Midfield. And the Ohio State Buckeyes, as we've alluded to, take on Indiana this coming Saturday. Team that's kind of had their share of struggles over the last few years. What are some of the things that uh, we should need to know about this Indiana team? Yeah, like you said, Indiana's had a really rough couple seasons. Uh, since that really magical 2020 run they had during the pandemic year. Uh, Indiana, you know, the offense, frankly, is going to be pretty limited. They're going to start a redshirt freshman, Taven Jackson, at quarterback who we have, uh, I think, seen throw four college passes. When he was at Tennessee last year, he's the younger brother of their standout basketball player, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, quite a bit smaller. Uh, I think he's listed at 6'4", but my folks in Indiana tell me he's more like 6'2 and pretty skinny. Uh, good athlete, but but I don't think he's going to do much to threaten Ohio State. Indiana's going to struggle to score the football. Uh, their top skill players uh, come into this week. They, they, one of their running backs is banged up, Dexter Williams. But uh, uh, they are looking to play uh, Jalen Lucas, who's a really quick kind of scat back back there, a fair bit. It's really dangerous playing the return team. I like their top receiver, Cam Camper. He's a good player. Uh, but just not a ton of guys on offense for Indiana. Uh, their defense is primarily excelling in the in the back seven. Um, their best player is is either uh, Josh Stegmanetti or Noah Pierre at safety. Um, they do have some good guys back there. And in fact, they actually have their new co-defensive coordinator and secondary coach is Matt Guerreri, who was on staff last year at Ohio State as an analyst. So kind of interesting to see a guy who was in the meeting rooms at Ohio State all season, who knows this offense, who knows the quarterbacks Ohio State make play. Um, he actually worked under Jim Knowles as the co-defensive coordinator at Duke back in the year and back in the day, rather, was an AFCA assistant coach of the year finalist when he was DC at Duke. I think he's a very good coach, and I am a little bit curious with Indiana's depth at uh, at safety, if not at corner, kind of what looks the secondary throws at Ohio State and how they can perform against the Buckeyes passing attack. I think it's a pretty good first test for, for the new quarterbacks where 
you have a guy who knows how to, you know, throw out some pretty good coverages there. Who's a very strong secondary coach who has some experience with his guys at safety, but really they don't have the offense to threaten to win this game. So it's kind of a good, almost lab environment test, right? Where you're not worried about losing this game, but you do still have some challenges uh, being thrown up against you by what that secondary can show you. So I'm curious to kind of see what coverages they throw at these young quarterbacks. I'm looking forward to watching how they handle them. Uh, I mentioned they have a good edge rusher with Andre Carter. Um, you know, Indiana is a limited team. And again, there should not be any threat for Ohio State to lose this game. Uh, but I think it should have a chance to really represent a, a good chance to evaluate and watch those quarterbacks play. And speaking of the offensive side going into the Indiana game, I mean, there's been a lot of ink about Marvin Harrison, Ekaba, Julian Fleming, Cade Stover in his 37th season at Ohio State at tight end. But <laughs> one of the positions that seems to be under the radar a little bit and kind of surprising for me is actually that running back position with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams both being back and healthy. So just from your perspective, and I'll ask a, a follow-up question that Kevin Harris knows all too well from me when it comes to Mayan Williams, what are you expecting to see out of them? And true or false, a great season from Mayan Williams. He could sneak up into a higher round pick next year in the NFL draft because things like that happen. Yeah, I love Mayan Williams. I'm a big fan of his. I think the way he runs, kind of the tone he plays with, has a different kind of edge to this Ohio State offense. And I think he is one of those guys that other players look at and respect a ton just for how hard he runs, how violent he is. Uh, and like you mentioned, Trey Henderson now back to full health after the foot injuries of last season. He's a really explosive back. This room out of the room is deep beyond those two as well. I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty deep rotation. Obviously, Chip Trianum had a ton of experience at Arizona State and played well for Ohio State, both at linebacker and at running back last season. Um, you had Dallin Hayden play well in that Michigan game. Uh, there's a lot of these, or rather in the Maryland game prior to Michigan, uh, there's a lot of these guys, and, and Evan Pryor was a former top 100 recruit who's more of a receiving back uh, who also missed all of last season. ACL tear is now fully healthy. They've loved him in fall camp. I think they have five playable running backs with five different skill sets. Uh, I would expect Dallin Hayden, if the least carries this team, despite his late season and you know, kind of impressions he made. Um, it seems like they obviously Trey Henderson has, is a home run hitter and played great in fall camp. Mayan Williams is so dependable. You just know that guy's going to fight for extra yards. You know, the physicality he plays with. Um, you have Chip is kind of in the same boat, maybe a little more of a straight line runner than, than Mayan shiftiness, but is a very physical back who who has even talked about getting some H-back or full-back reps this fall uh, in two-back sets with Mitch Rossi kind of departing from the team. They may use him in more of a blocking and passing role, such as they will as running. Uh, and like I said, Evan Pryor is a great, is a great receiving threat. Uh, in regards to Mayan's NFL upside, uh, I think he is a very accomplished back who sees the field well, um, who knows how to get extra yards. It's a thing that an NFL will always look for, but he is a smaller guy, right? I mean, he's, he's listed at, I think five, nine, he's probably more like five, seven and a half, five, eight with shoes on, uh, and is, uh, is a, is a very physical player, but not necessarily a burner. He does get caught from behind. Sometimes I wonder if his, I think he is a draftable player. I don't know if he's ever more than a, a day three pick at running back, but he's a guy I love to watch. And as far as a college back goes, uh, a kid we should really enjoy while he's here because you don't see a lot of backs that edge come through here with that just can do all the little things right, um, who are willing to take a hit, who are willing to give a hit, um, who can really kind of put their shoulder down and get that extra yard or two uh, when it comes to contact. His contact balance, his pad level are all so great. Um, just the shifty back really delivers some power, uh, who I love watching. And 
I would I, I think the order shakes out where Trey Henderson ends up a few carries ahead of Mayan, but I think it's going to be a little more even than maybe folks are expecting nationally. And I think Chip Trey Adam has a pretty big conversation in that role as well. So uh, I think Ohio State's top three running backs are one of the best groups in the country. Obviously, Michigan and Penn State are both loaded positions as well. And Wisconsin has Braylon Allen, who could be the best running back in America. Uh, the Big Ten is a very, very deep league at running back this year. Uh, and I think they probably have something like seven of the 12 best running backs in America in this league. And six of them are, are in the Big Ten East. So it's a pretty crazy group right now uh, and really fun to watch this fall. So not a well first round you know, I was, I was, I was hoping the way you started with that, Ryan, that I was going to be like, oh, mine Williams is great. You're absolutely right. You're on the money there, Matt. <laughs> no, he's great. I do. I do love Zion Williams. I do love him. I just think, I think to me, from what I've heard in fall camp, Trey Henderson is really back. And, and like, you know, he he is a player that was frustrating to watch last year, I think, before we knew the context of his injury, because he was a guy that was going down at first contact a little too often, was often trying to bounce outside, not really take the holes that were available to him. And that was frustrating, but I, I do question how much that was limited by his foot injury. Um you know, I think his upside is something not too far off what we saw from Jameer Gibbs, Alabama last year, uh, whereas Maya Williams is a different kind of player. I, I'm struggling to think of an NFL comparison right now without going back to like a Maurice Jones-Drew from several years ago, right? But just that that kind of uh, smaller, shiftier physical back who's, who plays a lot better than he looks. And uh, I love Maya Williams. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a, he's a fantastic player and very, very fun to watch. Um, Doug Martin, another guy who played with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Boise State Broncos, who kind of reminds me of that body type and play style. Um, Mayan's an awesome player and would start for, you know, probably 120 FBS teams, if not more, um, and, and really going to enjoy watching him this year. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB talking with Ryan Donnelly, founder of Meet at Midfield. We'll talk about some of the games for the weekend here in a moment, but I know that they're not the best things ever, but the preseason rankings, of course, have came out a little while ago. Top five, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC at six, Penn State at seven, Florida State at 8, Clemson at 9, Washington at 10. Is there anyone to you in the top 10 or even maybe top 25, you look at them and you're just like, yeah, you're not going to be up here for very long. Does any any of those teams or maybe a few of those teams kind of give you that vibe? I think uh, Texas is a fair bit overranked. Um, obviously, Quinn Ewers is, is the star quarterback there for a Buckeye himself, number one overall recruit in America. And they have a pretty impressive passing attack. That O-line should be pretty good with four starters back and Kelvin Banks, a sophomore, looking like a future first-round pick. Xavier Wade, their big receiver. However, their coach is still Steve Sarkeesian, right? We, we have enough evidence of years of him coaching at USC and Washington. Uh, you know, they don't call him seven-win Sark because he wins 10 games. Uh, he is pretty predictable going seven and five, eight and four most years. And I think they maybe creep up to nine and three this year, but Texas at 11 to me is, is pretty crazy, especially because they're ahead of, of teams like Tennessee, ahead of a Utah, ahead of a Kansas state, uh, that should be very, very impressive teams. I think anyone predicting Texas to win the big 12, I understand the talent on the roster, but I just do not see it with their coaching apparatus and with they lost at running back with Bijan Robinson, obviously being a fantastic player. And that defense is still has to prove it to me. Uh, I think they're a fair bit overranked. Uh, I know this is going to sound crazy too, but I think Alabama probably does not deserve to be fourth right now. Um, 
obviously they're one of the most talented teams in the country every single year. In fact, 247's team talent composite just dropped today, and they are number one in the country on overall team talent. But Alabama has a lot of question marks, right? That quarterback battle, I don't think they have anybody there. Uh, they bring Jalen Milrow back, who threw a ton of interceptions in his reps last year. Is more of a runner than a passer, not a very accurate quarterback. And uh, they had to bring in Tyler Booker via transfer from Notre Dame to come compete with him, uh, who Booker, we saw play last year, is terrible, frankly. Ray Booker is not a good college quarterback. Um, I don't really understand the love for Alabama as high as number four. I think they're probably a 10-win team this season because of that talent. A lot of five-stars scattered throughout the defense, especially. Uh, their old line is very good, but those receivers are are not impressive. The running backs have really nobody proven there at all. They may start a true freshman, Justin Haynes, or Justice Haynes, rather. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And <laughs> their quarterback play is pretty tough. Uh, I would look at USC as a potential problem team as well. Uh, USC's defense... You know, we all unfortunately got the Alex Grinch experience here at Ohio State in 2018. And uh, for some reason, Lincoln Riley keeps signing up for it again and again in Oklahoma and USC. Uh, that is just a very soft defense. Uh, San Jose State, who they played in week zero, really moved the ball very well on them. Uh, and they just don't have much in the way of defensive line ability or coaching their secondary. They keep playing some bad players out there. I think USC is a good football team that probably wins 10 games. But having them at sixth in the country, Alabama at fourth, I just do not get that one at all. I think those are some pretty crazy rankings. Uh, Florida State, Penn State, LSU should be ahead of both those teams pretty comfortably, as well as I've the big three of Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. And I'll go ahead and double down a little bit on that because I, I, I've been watching tape. I've been trying to pay attention. I've been really staying on top of this year's in particular crop of quarterbacks. You know, kind of be ready for the eventual, oh, so-and-so is going to, jump up in rankings or maybe a Heisman candidate. I, I need you to explain it to me like I'm five. It just seems like Caleb Williams might be, and I, I don't want to be a freezing take here. I think he's good. I think he might be a touch overrated. Do, do you get that vibe watching him? Is it just that he's in a Lincoln Riley offense, has been surrounded by talent, or is this kid really the 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 golden child that they seem to make him out to be? I for me, I have questions when it comes to him as especially a front runner for the Heisman once again, when it seemed like he kind of slid into it by default last year. So yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts in particular on a guy like him over someone like a Michael Penix, a Jordan Travis, even Kyle McCord, even though he's a big question mark or some of the other top tier quarterbacks that are out there in the country this year. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, th I think Caleb has some unbelievable highlight throws and folks who, you know, a lot of, like, let's be honest, right? A lot of NFL fans don't lock in on college Saturdays and watch all those games. And I think if you don't watch a full game of Caleb Williams, you don't get the full experience because the highlights you see, the ball placement he can show off, the way the ability to like scramble and, and find openings outside of the structure is genuinely incredible. Like his improvisation Reminds me of Bryce Young, just went number one overall to Carolina Panthers, and he is a lot bigger than Bryce was. Uh, he is certainly a very talented player, but when you watch him try to read coverage, when a team drops seven or drops eight on him, man, he just kind of, he looks confused. He looks lost out there. I don't think he maybe reads the defense very well. Uh, I don't think his rep-to-rep -rep consistency is where it needs to be to be this number one overall pick he's being talked about as. Uh, I have a lot of questions about about Caleb and about his ability to play in an NFL system where he's not going to be able to play outside of structure and make, you know, four guys miss and chuck a ball to a wide open receiver downfield after the defense breaks down. 
That is not really something that's going to work in the league. Uh, I do think he's a bit overrated. I think he deserved that Heisman last year, but uh, the idea of him being the second ever back-to-back winner after Archie Griffin feels pretty crazy to me. I do not think he is that far separated from the field. I think, obviously, Drake May at Carolina, Michael Penix at Washington, uh, two great contenders, Bo Nix at Oregon, Jordan Travis, you mentioned at Florida State. A lot of great quarterbacks out there this season. Um, and, and, you know, he, again, a very strong player, but one, when I when I look at these ideas of him being of him being the Heisman front runner, of him being the number one overall pick with a bullet, I just want to kind of look around and say, like, if guys actually watch the full game, are people watching all of USC's games playing football? Because even against San Jose State, there was a play where my colleague Patrick Mayhorn immediate midfield posted to Twitter where uh where Caleb, you know, San Jose State just dropped four, didn't get much pressure, but Caleb was reading the defense, probably stood back there for four or five seconds. And eventually the pocket collapsed and San Jose State got a kind of a team sack on him, pushing a, pushing a tackle back into his lap after that long. And there were open plays there, right? Like there are receivers that come open. They have one of the best receiver groups in America. He just is not quite decisive enough on those plays for me. I think he's a little bit limited in his decision-making and ability to process and read quickly. Firstly, I have to fine you because it's Tyler Buckner. I watched him get hurt. $2, I accept Venmo or PayPal. But looking ahead to this weekend's games, <laughs> lot, lot, not that many good games, but there are a handful of some. You got the Battle of Miami, which is fun just because of the names on Friday. Uh, Thursday, Florida-Utah could be interesting to see how good Florida is and how well Utah is able to reload. Saturday, there aren't that many big games. The North Carolina-South Carolina game's probably the biggest, and then we don't get... Uh, LSU, Florida State until Sunday. So what are you really looking forward to uh, seeing this weekend? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest one, I think, is the Sunday night game you mentioned, LSU, Florida State. That's going to be an awesome football game. I am really, really excited to get to see those. I think those are two of the top five teams in the country and a game that will have playoff implications all year long. I think those are probably my – Florida State and LSU will both play for conference championships when it comes down to it in December uh, I love those two teams. I think they're very complete teams. LSU is probably not their best defensive player, Mason Smith, who is suspended for week one over a pretty ridiculous issue with the NCAA. Um, Monday night is maybe the second best game. You have Clemson going to Duke. Uh, Duke returns over 98% of their offensive production. They had nine all ACC players last year and seven of them are back. That defense is very stout, really strong coach of Mike Elko. I think they have an NFL quarterback and Ryan Leonard. I'm not saying Duke's going to beat Clemson. They're currently, I think, two touchdown underdogs. However, that game is at Duke Stadium. Uh, They have a ton of pieces, a very experienced team. Clemson breaking a new quarterback in Kate Klubnick, new offensive coordinator, a lot of young faces in that defense were not proven. You know, offensive line has been shaky for years. Their receivers aren't great. There is a pretty clear recipe for Duke to be able to win that game if they can limit or confuse Klubnick. Uh, so really excited for that Monday night game on Labor Day. Um, in terms of Saturday games, I think you're right. There's not a ton of quality out there. Uh, Toledo and Illinois is a sneaky competitive game. Uh, if you're interested in kind of watching that, I, I think that's actually a pretty fun one. UTSA at Houston and South Alabama at Tulane are two of the best G5 games of the year. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing those teams play. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to say there's not a ton of like helmet matchups between uh, Power 5 teams. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we are kind of going to be be stuck watching a little bit of uh, kind of seeing which scores are close, who's competitive, and kind of just keep an eye on the score bug. So all I heard was two-team parlay, Florida State and Duke. That's what we should go for. That's right, baby. 
Uh, this has been Meet from Meet at Midfield founders Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us and filling in for Kevin. We very much appreciate it. And if we ever need to talk to you again, I'm sure we can do just that. Definitely. This is a blast. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really had a great time. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, Bart Wilson will be catching up with Fostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB and Classic It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Friday night, BV, the BVC will start conference play. Arlington will take on Liberty Benton. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have the coverage of that one from LB on Classic It's 96.7. We're now pleased to be joined by Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. Always appreciate your insight uh, for your team and other things in the BBC as well. So for you, what were some of the big things that you and your staff were kind of focused on over the offseason and uh, getting ready for the year? Uh, I think it's just like any other high school program. You know, um, you're going to have some kids that graduate and you're going to have to have some kids step up. So trying to trying to get some some players maybe ready to go and it's their first time playing varsity football. So, you know, just trying to coach those kids up and, and you know, kind of all, all the stuff that everybody always does and just trying to physically prepare our team for uh, for a tough season and, you know, a schedule that's, that's going to challenge us a little bit. So, you know, that's always the, that's always kind of the challenge. It seems like it's that way every year. You're always trying to get some kids ready to go. Um, and, and that's what our job is as coaches is to try to, to make sure that some of our kids who maybe have some experience will step up and be the leaders. And, um, until some of those kids get, get, get their feet wet a little bit. You mentioned, you know, some of the guys you have to replace, had to replace from last year's team, Jared Griggs, Jake Vermillion, Ryler Essinger, just a couple of them. Did you have kind of a good idea of who was going to fill some of those roles coming into the year, or were there more questions and answers possibly as well? Uh, no, I think we had a pretty good idea of who we were going to have step in to fill those roles for the most part. Um, you know, you know, some of those kids that, you know, that you mentioned have been around for a while, played a lot of football and obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of good accolades last year that they got recognized for, for their performance on the field. But, uh, you know, you know, those kids were, were great kids off the field too. So, you know, we, we really want to have high character kids. Um, and that, and that group was, was, was kind of that way. So, you know, to try to try to come in and, and replace those kids, we had a pretty good idea that Trenton Haycock was going to be our kid stepping in to, to fill that role at quarterback. 
um, you know, as a sophomore and he, he stepped in and has done a pretty decent job and we need to continue to work to continue to get better a little bit. And then, you know, shuffling some pieces around on the offensive line to, to try to fill that center spot. And uh, Brady Ken, who, who moved over from, he was a tight end for us last year and we were putting him at, at center for us, to, you know, kind of an athletic kid who can move a little bit. And that's, that's kind of what we're looking for. And, you know, you know, kind of by committee, you know, in the backfield as well, you know, I think the one kid that maybe you didn't mention was Lucas, Lucas Fenstermaker was another kid that, that we had to replace kind of in the backfield. that got a lot of reps. And so it's just, you know, some ideas of some kids and that's why we have scrimmages and that's why we have games to try to figure things out and, you know, keep on going. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB talking with Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain. And you have, as you also kind of alluded to uh, with uh, Trenton, a handful of sophomores that are in some significant roles for the team. Kind of what can you say about, you know, the overall sophomore class? Because obviously there's guys aside from Trenton that are going to be in some key spots for your team. So what kind of can you say about the class and what they mean to the team as a whole? You know, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a few of them that are, are getting some significant minutes. You know, Aiden Cavaney uh, is another player for us as a sophomore that's, that's stepping in at a running back spot and also playing some outside linebacker. And, you know, Drew Metzger has been another one that's kind of stepped in. So, you know, it's 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 always been kind of an athletic class. It's been a very solid class for us coming through. You know, they've got some kids that really enjoy football and really enjoy just athletics, I think, as a whole. So, you know, they're competitive and they, they want to try to prove themselves. But, you know, sometimes it, it takes a little bit to get your, like I said before, get your feet wet, uh, especially at the varsity level. You know, it's it's not JV football anymore. The game's a little bit faster and, you know, guys are a little bit bigger. So, you know, technique and fundamentals really, truly matter the most. So, how can we harp on that to try to continue to get better? And, and, and they're going to continue to get better with the more reps that they get. So that's uh, that's typically kind of where you're always at, kind of breaking those new guys in. And one thing Arlington seems to have is multiple guys that can carry the ball for you at any given time. You already mentioned uh, Aiden Cavani as one of those guys uh, that's going to be getting some time as a running back. Who are some of the other guys that are going to be uh, some of the primary ball carriers for you? You know, it's 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 really nice that, you know, you, you take a look at Aiden on, on one side and then you got Caden Russell on the other side. You know, he's a, you know, he's a, we, we kind of think of it as almost like a pit bull a little bit and kind of mentality that he's got uh, at running back. He's he's kind of an athletic kid, a wiry kid that, that can, you know, do some good things when the ball's in his hands. And he did a great job last year. You know, we, we bounced him around quite a bit. You know, we'd have him in the backfield and then we'd, you know, put him out at the flanker in the slot to try to try to throw him the ball a little bit. And, you know, he's he's a great leader. He's a kid that's always willing to do whatever it is that we ask him to do. And, um, you know, just one of those kids that we got to be able to move around. So, um, you know, kind of unfortunately a little bit, you know, we were counting on Braden Agapu, but I think he's going to be done for the season. He was a kid that, that was back last year is going to be coming in. But, uh, you know, that's that's just kind of unfortunate for him and feel really bad for him. But uh, so now we got to try to shuffle some more pieces around to try to figure out who else we can get the ball with. And that's kind of where we're at. Talking with Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Through two weeks, you guys are one and one getting the win in week number one against Harden Northern and then a loss last week to Allen East. What are some of the kind of the big takeaways from you for your team for what you saw from the first two games? I, I'd say, um, you know, a little bit we're, we're, we're just not very consistent. Uh, you know, that's, 
you know, even even in our week one game against Harden Northern, we did some decent stuff, but there were some other times to where maybe we did some things that really hurt ourselves, especially with like penalties um, and in terms of execution. Um, and then last week, it really it really came came to show just, you know, we just really weren't consistent. It's like we, we'd have have a good play and then maybe, you know, a bad play right after it or maybe a couple bad plays. And, you know, with with the teams that we're playing, we can we can't do things that's going to hurt ourselves the other team is trying hard enough to beat us we don't need to do some stuff that's going to beat us so um I, I'd say you know there, there's there's been some bright spots there's been some times that we've we've done some things really really well and then there's some times that we're like what's going on um so right now it's it's really truly just all about consistency for us uh, kind of in all three phases so you did mention some bright spots so who are some of the guys that you've uh, really been impressed with through through the through the first couple games you know, like we said, um, you know, I, I think all of our, some of our skill kids have done some nice things at times, you know, uh, you know, Caden, Russell, obviously making some plays, especially defensively that first week, um, had a big pick right out of the gates in that start of that second half. So really kind of, you know, set the momentum for the second half, did some good stuff. And, you know, Aiden's had some, had some big runs and things like that. And Trenton's made some good reads on our option game and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, even up front, you know, Wyatt Berry's done a great job at the defensive line and even our offensive line of kind of controlling some things along with Mason Cavaney. You know, we knew that those two kids coming back, uh, you know, those those two have, you know, started since they're sophomore. So we kind of expect them to be be at the top of their game their senior year. So, you know, th those have been the kids that have, have kind of surprised us a little bit, you know, and I think I think one that really I don't necessarily know much surprises the word, but um has just really shown that he's really truly cared with his effort and kind of hustle on plays, especially defensively and even offensively. It's been Garrett Wikes. You know, we have him at tackle on offense, but he's playing some playing one of our stack linebackers and has just really, you know, stuck his nose in there and played a good aggressive football like what we want around here. So, um, you know, and, and throughout the year and throughout the weeks, you know, we're going to have more kids step up, and that that's really what what we want. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Talking with Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys will take on Liberty Benton. What are some of the big things you've uh, seen from them in getting ready for this round? They're just – they're so well coached. Um, they, they do things so well um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Uh, you know, typical, typical Liberty Benton, Scott Garlock team, um, you know, offensively, they're, they're very, they're very efficient uh, with what they do. Um, you know, they, they hit the seams of the defense really well with their passing game. And, and then ultimately, you know, you, you've got to cover that stuff up and then they're, they're out there, you know, their zones and, you know, kind of reading it with their quarterback a little bit to be able to run the ball and some power football as well. So, they're really trying to keep you honest and not necessarily trying to load up just to try to stop the pass and stop the run. You know, you got to be able to stop both. So, you know, you take a look at them offensively, they're just really balanced. And then defensively, just really, really aggressive. Um, you know, they've got some kids that just really pin their ears back and go, especially up front in that front seven. Um, you know, the Elker kid at linebacker does a good job of just, just playing downhill. And they got some kids at safety that really run and are big hitters. Um, but their defensive line is is kind of some fast, you know, fast, aggressive kids that run to the ball well. So, you know, you just take a look at them in all all phases and then even special teams, you know, their kickers kicking the ball out of the end zone. And I think it's perfect on extra points and field goal tries. So, you know, you, you've got to play a clean game. And if, uh, you know, if, if you don't, then you're going to be in trouble. And always a big matchup for you guys when you do take on 
uh, Liberty Benton. And kind of with how the first few weeks have gone around the league, really seems like the BBC as a whole could be a little more wide open than we've seen in some of the previous years. And whoever is able to get the win on Friday really kind of put yourselves in a possible really good position for how the league may be open throughout the year. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some really, really good programs, some really, really good teams, um, you know, and it's, you know, we always try to play it one week at a time and one game at a time and not necessarily look ahead and concentrate on what the task is at hand of us in front of us and uh, kind of go, go from there. Uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things to where everybody kind of week one, especially league play, you want to get off to a good start. So, you know, we got to have a heck of a week of practice to, to try to get prepared for them. And so what is the message to your team uh, throughout the week in practice? I imagine it doesn't have to be very in-depth when you're facing a team in Liberty Benton that you guys, of course, always want to beat. You want to beat everybody. But you guys always – it's always – there's something a little extra when uh, you guys uh, take on LB, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, our, you know, it's it's big for our kids. It's big for our community, and obviously for their their kids and their community as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think the message for us is, you know, and I've kind of alluded to it before. It's it's about consistency. You know, we we we've just got to be more consistent on both sides of the ball and, and try to prepare ourselves to 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 play a really really good Liberty Benton team. So that that's I think that's the kind of the message for our kids. You know, it's you know, they, they, they know what's in front of them. It, it's, I don't necessarily think they need some big new right Rockney speech or anything like that to, to key them up and get them ready to go. I think they're going to be, be ready. And we just, we just got to be able to play within ourselves and, and concentrate on what's in front of us. This has been Arlington head football coach, Josh McGreen coach. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against LB. Thanks Lance. Appreciate it. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back and Bart Wilson will catch up with Faustoria head football coach Derek Kidwell here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto Phone. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily, Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. And welcome back to the NWO Orthopedics Huddle from the Frickers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. I'm Bart Wilson, and I'm talking with Fostoria head coach Derek Kidwell. A difficult loss last week against Bowling Green. What are some of the pros? What are some of the cons that came out of last week's game? Uh, we'll start with the cons first. Cons where we were not very good at stopping the run or getting out the field defensively. Um, we only ran three plays in the third quarter. That's probably the first time in my career that's happened. We knew we were going to have problems stopping their wing T offense. I mean, they've been pretty good in scrimmages in the week one game against Otsego, so we knew we had a that we were going to have our hands full. Um, but we'd like to add a couple more stops in the game because we felt early on that our offense 
had things rolling and we were answering their score with our scores. Um, and then we had a fumble on a kickoff that changed the momentum in the second quarter. And we got behind the scoreboard and everything went south from there. But on a positive note, um, you know, we moved the ball, we ran the ball well against a bigger team. We successful through the air. We didn't throw the ball a whole lot because we were running the ball successfully. And plus, we didn't have a whole lot of plays to um, to set the things up. But um, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough one. I like the way our kids competed. Uh, mine is not getting off the field defensively, but they've never quit. So we came in on Saturday. We lifted. We watched the film. We corrected. And we brought to their attention some mistakes that need to be corrected. Hopefully, we correct them. This week on the practice field, and we get better because we have our hands full this week, and, uh, and I hope a lot of teams two and zero. I completely agree, Coach. Um, something I do notice about this team uh, this year is definitely just like the tenacity, the perseverance that this team does have. And I mean, playing a team like Bowling Green last week, you know, the size, the whole wing team offense, they still persevered through the game. They still got points on the scoreboard, even though there were some miscues. I mean, what can you say about this team's dealing with that adversity whenever it does become an issue during the game where a team does go up big, but they still manage to stay in the game, they keep their heads up, and they still manage to score points on the scoreboard on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, well, I think with um, having 12 seniors, that really helps. Um, and having the leaders that we had, they've they played a lot of football for us. So they stay in the fight. They stay in the game. Um, that helps us. Having a three-year starter quarterback, it keeps us composed mm-hmm. on the offensive side. <clears throat> um, but we still got to get some stops defensively. You know, we felt Van Buren ran the ball a little too easy on us, and we felt, obviously, that Bowling Green did. And, um, you know, Hopewell with the Martinez kid, they were on the ball if you allow them to also. So, you know, we got to get a little a little stiffer on defense. Um, but with these seniors and the closeness that they have as a group, you know, they've wanted to change some culture. They want to win some more football games than we've won in the past. So they'll, they'll fight for four quarters. This doesn't matter. We can't beat ourselves in the process. We can't have dumb penalties. And we can't have turnovers in the process of, of playing a four-quarter football game. Now, heading into this week of practice, what was the conversation that you had with the guys um, on what you guys wanted to work on this week prior to this Hopewell Loudon game? Yes, we challenged our defensive line. They got to get off blocks. They were uh, around themselves to stay blocked way too long Friday against Bowling Green. Um, That was a big problem. Our linebackers were not reading their keys. They weren't reading their linemen. Usually, if you read your guards, guards will take you to the football, especially with a wing tee offense. Um, our linebackers had a tendency to have their eyes in the backfield too much. Um, you could tell that on film by their uh, missteps. They were taking the wrong steps. They weren't taking their read steps. And then they were stepping where nobody was or where the ball wasn't even flowing to. So we got to get back to fundamentals. We got to read our keys at linebackers. We got to slam angle. We got to move a lot faster and quicker on the defensive line. Um, and we got to play more sound on the edges. Our Defensive ends and corners, they got to funnel everything into the rest of their teammates rather than letting somebody get outside them and get down the sideline. So we can do those things and we can get pressure on the quarterback this week. We feel like we got a, a decent chance to be competitive against their offense and get some pressure. Um, you know, to be nice, 
packages, you know, we like our chances there also because we think our secondary can cover um, receivers pretty well in as athletic as we are in the back half of our defense. But if you don't get pressure on a quarterback, then it just becomes like a seven-on-seven game for a quarterback, and it's easy to pick somebody apart. So we got to win early downs. we got to get creative. got to play with a little more passion. And if we do that um, with the things we think we can attack them with offensively this week, we, we like our chances to be in the game in the fourth quarter. All right, Coach. Well, good luck this week. Hopefully you guys can keep that game close against Hope All Loudon, maybe come out with a victory. So we will definitely be uh, ready for that one, especially we'll have it being aired on WFOB. So looking forward to that game, Coach. Good luck this week. Thank you. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson, and after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 14.30 a.m. and 105. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Lance Morris Matt Common here with you until 7:30. The Finley Trojans went down I-75 and it took care of business in a big way against Lima Senior for their first win of the year. This Friday they'll open up play in the NLL for the first time in program history when they take on Sylvania Southview. We're now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Per usual, weekly. Yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us. And obviously, a big win for you guys over Lima Senior last week. So, what were some of the big takeaways from you uh, from you in that win? Yeah, I think um, you know just the way we responded uh, to you know week one. Uh, I think coming off of a, a loss where guys had true belief in what we were doing and the ability to take down a giant, and we didn't get the job done, but they they bounced back well during the practice week and. I think responded really well uh, to be an op- the opportunity to play another game. Uh, yeah, and coach, the opportunity to play another game, a bit of an understatement. I mean, when we were talking last week, it's like, oh, yeah, this this should be a competitive game. It it seemed pretty competitive until kickoff, and then it kind of went pretty <laughs> one-sided in your guys' favor. Uh, can, can you talk about some of the things that you saw Friday night that maybe early on in the game, you're like, okay, you know what, we're off to the races tonight. Yeah, I, I, well, I think, you know, it, the – we watched the film. I mean, they have some explosive. I think we talked about it last week. They have some explosive athletes and and guys who are kind of game changers and game breakers. Uh, we also knew we were kind of facing a very similar offensive structure as us. So I think it would have came down to is our guys just going out and being able to execute at a high level and 
being able to anticipate kind of what they wanted to do. We kind of knew, you know, not too often where there were a lot of football scrum in the middle between the hashes. So really it took, put a lot of onus on our, our cornerbacks and our safeties and our apex, our apex linebackers, safety defenders uh, to really control outside. And those guys did a phenomenal job along with our guys up front as well too. But a lot of pressure was on the guys outside and they showed up and, and performed really well. Talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Offensively, really just about everything was working, close to 400 yards in total offense for you guys. What were the keys that went into it to allow that offense to be as successful as they were on Friday? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Coach Eilif, our offensive line coach, really continuing to challenge and push our offensive line. I think we came out of the, the Central Catholic game and, Thought, you know, we did a really good job within our pass pro and the run game. And I think he had those guys ready to go for whatever we were going to call them to do. And those guys just battled. I was actually probably, you talk about like it's a team effort, but I was probably the most impressed with the the effort, the tenacity, the fight, but also the controlled rage that our offensive linemen displayed. I mean, this is a group that everybody kind of knows. We didn't, we didn't have a bunch of people coming back. Um, and those guys are coached really well. Uh, but they also play the game in the right way, full speed, full out of effort, uh, but know how to control it within the whistles. And, Coach, talking about that offense line, I mean, you just kind of touched on it. It was, I wouldn't necessarily say a question mark, but it was one of those areas where people no. didn't necessarily have a full answer going into the season for you guys. I, the performance you saw, you feeling that chemistry is there and, like, might actually be there a lot earlier than some people may have anticipated? Yeah, and I think the big credit is to, you know, unfortunately, our our, our starting uh, left guard who we lost for the season, uh, Desmond Bailey, and to the offensive line coach, Matt Eilif, who a lot of the to pressure, but a lot of the, they knew what the question mark was coming into this year by nature of just the guys that we lost. You know, high school kids always rise to the occasion, but knowing that we lost those guys, they knew they were going to have to step up and perform, so you know, the, the things they did in the offseason, uh, those guys were, you know, we lifted four days a week. We we upped the ante there. Uh, we did some speed and con agility conditioning, but those guys were doing stuff way more than I even knew sometimes. Like, just, you know, I walk in one day uh, on a Saturday, hey, we're just here getting some early work in. Like, they knew they were going to have to prove themselves, and they, were, they didn't want to be the question mark. So I, I will say, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm extremely happy and pleased, but they're they're really setting the bar high for you know, the future offensive line groups to come. You also kind of buried the lead and you're making Matt and I feel even older by saying that Matt Iliff, who I believe graduated from Van Buren <laughs> in 2018, is your offensive yeah. line coach. He's my offensive line coach. And, um, you know, went on to have a great career at uh, University of Finley. And then obviously I have ties there. And um, when he took the plunge to come coach last year and get involved, uh, he was kind of an assistant offensive line coach. And then uh, Coach Gunder, who moved over to go coach at Van Buren, Matt actually stayed and stayed here and wanted to coach this group and get closer and bond with them. And he's, I mean, he's a, I call him a Corey, a, a Corey Knight, you know, kind of from a Corey Allen disciple. Um, Corey Allen, the head coach at the University of Finley, he's my guy, my, my dear friend, but he's a phenomenal offensive line coach. So you get a kid coming down like that. Typically, sometimes kids fresh out of college can struggle. Uh, with coaching and 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 the kind of all the things that they did at the college level they want to do at the high school level and it doesn't work that way um but matt has done a phenomenal job of connecting with the kids uh the investment that he's displayed with the guys the time that he's putting in along with work and life um I, i've been 
I mean, he's he, he I've been overly impressed with the work that he's done this offseason and this year so far. Uh, yeah, burying the lead's an understatement. I, I heard that sentence. I immediately turned into that uh, kid from the commercial back in the day where his mom, like, dressed him up as a president. He's got the big, poofy white hair and the mustache. Yeah. Just looks like 900 at the age of nine. Yeah, that was that was me right now hearing Matt Island as your offensive <laughs> line coach. He's my guy. Listen, he and we allow him to be him. I mean, I'm not a – I mean, I – I know what he's capable of doing and I let him do his thing and he's done a great, great job. Well, I, I'll, I'll actually follow up with that coach. I mean, do, do you feel that that is actually something that is helping connect with this group that, Hey, he, he's just a few years removed from being in this position himself. Absolutely. I think that always helps. I think that's why you got to have, when you're putting together a staff, I think, you always have to take that, those kind of things in consideration. You know, I'm the, I'm the middle-aged dad now. Um, and at some point in time, my time as being cool and in tune with certain things runs out. So you got to have the guys that have the wisdom, the middle-aged guys, you know, the former head coaches, the young guys who can really connect. Um, I think all those factors go into it. So being able to have a guy like him is a luxury in a place like that we're in because, you know, a lot of times trying to find coaches, guys end up going back to Columbus or back to the city areas. You know, being able to keep a guy like him here and have him here is, man, it's been such a blessing for us. And I, I'm really excited to help, one, continue to watch him grow as a coach, but continue to help grow him as a coach as well, too. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. Ryan Montgomery, 14 for 19, four touchdowns. So having almost as many incompletions as touchdowns, I'd say that's a fairly good indicator of the night he was able to have. What did you think of his uh, overall performance on Friday? It was good. I mean, I think, you know, to their credit, I mean, they jumped out, you know, the curl flat player jumped out and picked us off very early in the series. Uh, so that kid probably is holding on for that for dear life. But um, we were, he was, once again, we responded very well. You know, we got things sorted out and figured out and we're able to get a nice, you know, one hand touchdown that was on the money to Reese Little. Um, and then it was kind of like, let the good times roll at that point in time. And, you know, we kind of found the holes in the seams and, you know, also, too, we, we found kind of our guys. You know, how, how do we get our guys involved that need to touch the ball? And sometimes it's not about plays, it's about players. And I think Coach Best, offensive coordinator, did a phenomenal job at that, of getting the ball and helped jump-starting the game with getting the ball to our playmakers' hands. Yeah, and talking about those playmakers, I mean, you've, you've mentioned them a few times over the last couple of weeks of players that you were expected to see step step up and step out in a big way. Anyone kind of surprise you on Friday night as to, oh, I thought they were going to be good, but, oh, man, they're going to be good, good for us. Uh, honestly, my skill, guys, I knew they were dogs all summer long. I mean, I, I just knew what we had potentially within our room. You know, Javante Hill being kind of the, the, the you know, the, the skill player that he is and the free sports stud. Um, and then Austin Hasselback's kind of been like a quiet assassin for the last two years. Uh, ben Best is a baseball player, football player, and a kid who's very skilled. Reese Little, you guys, we, we've known about him. So Matt Guthrie, who actually had – you know what, 91 yards rushing. I told him he might as well have had two yards rushing. You, you had 91, you should have been closer to 100, but that's all me. I should have got him back in. And then uh, to be able to look and see also in the past game, he had a catch as well too. So I, I kind of expect that from them because I knew the talent that we've had in our school and our walls and in our program for a couple of years now. But I go back to the offensive linemen. Um, I go back to the defensive linemen. 
I've just been super impressed by how the kids are battling. I mean, they're battling at a very high level. So that really has, I've got, they got my eyes. I'll tell you that. Talking Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Defensively, of course, getting a shutout is a goal yeah. every single week. What allowed you guys to do just that and keep them off the scoreboard? I think just being disciplined with our scheme and being disciplined with what we're doing. I think it's very easy. i got to give credit to Coach Slater, the defensive coordinator, and the rest of their defensive coaching staff. It's very easy after you lose a game to feel like you have to kind of redo everything, right? You're so your, – your brain is – a little muddy, you know, from the, the previous game, but we knew that we did a lot of good things and we just have to execute what we're good at, what we've been repping for since May. Um, so I think it's just getting better at it and then being able to see a mirrored offense that we run as well too. Uh, the guys kind of had an idea what to expect to understand the splits, to understand the spacing, to understand where the throws are coming from, and where they're going to go. Uh, I thought the kids were extremely dialed in all week long and, and did a good job of being able to to study film and, and scream out what's coming. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was going to try and come up with a defensive question, but you shut out Lima senior coach. I mean, it's that the story kind of speaks for itself there, but I, I am curious from what you saw, obviously very similar style of offensive play. You guys seem to obviously seem to be ready for it with the shutout. One of the things that stood out to me last week was talking about the speed that you were anticipating to see with Lima senior and shutout game. Got to ask, how do you feel like your team defensively responded to that type of athleticism at a week removed from playing a just frankly super athletic team in Toledo Central Catholic? Yeah, I think just matching up athletes with athletes. I think he's, you know, with today's game and the way it's changed, you know, you got to be able to, you know, when I remember when I grew up, and you can talk obviously way before me as well, too, you put that. 4-3 defense with the two big old stud backers in the middle who don't necessarily move out far side of the box. you got to find ways to get your athletes on the field, too, and your athletes got to be more combo guys, a guy that can play a defensive back, that can play like a linebacker position, you know, kind of that hybrid spot. And when you get that athleticism on the field, you're trying to match athleticism with athleticism. And then uh, between how structurally you structure your defense and the discipline behind it, the technique behind it, you know, I think you're typically the best guys win. So uh, I think our guys did a really good job of just being disciplined within their approach. And athletically, I really feel strongly about our defensive backfield that it's one of the more, you know, athletic groups uh, that I've been able to coach and have in my time as a head coach. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. It's Morris Matt Common talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. What has uh, practice been like for you guys this week? Obviously, things can be a little different, you know, coming off a loss compared to a win. So what have been the things you've uh, seen so far this week? Yeah, just the same thing, right? You know, Mental Monday is the big informational day. Uh, yesterday was kind of we built it. We kind of added on to the game plan a little bit, and our kids done a really good job. They've been really spirited. We kind of changed up where we practice because we are on a grass this weekend in Southview, so we're kind of at the high school on the grass. And uh, the kids haven't complained. They haven't bickered at all. They've just been going to work. So it's been fun to watch. It's been a fun two days. I've, I've been really happy with kind of where we are. I think there's still some more to give, and I think today's one of those days where, you know, the the coaching lessons. When I say lessons, it means. We kind of put them to the test, put the fuel to the fire a little bit and see how they respond. And uh, it should be our cleanest day yet. So, you know, I think we've had a good two days, but I'm not going to rest on that. Those two good days, we need to have a good day today. And that'll kind of tell me where we are for in preparation for Friday.
Uh, now, Coach, I do have to ask because, you know, you're – I like to think you're an old ball coach kind of person like me. Yeah. If you're practicing on a grass field, I, I have to ask, are you secretly hoping for a rainstorm at any point over the next two practices? Here's the deal, so, Matt. Here's the deal. I don't want to sound very bougie here. Once you're on the turf so much, like the last thing you want to do is get dirty. So like you, you kind of tell your oh office, oh no. Listen, I, I, I'll no. Be I, I'm that guy. I, listen, I'm not playing anymore. I don't want to be on the sideline getting just wet and just standing there <laughs> walking in dirt. Like I, I it, it, listen, I'll take it. It is what it is. It's it's the world's fault when they start making these turf fields. They 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 they've changed me. They've changed me for sure. Oh, I'm sorry to break the bad news to you. He didn't break the bad. It's not breaking bad news. Just yeah, you know, I, I I don't know how to feel about it yet. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel like the energy for this interview is going to completely go down to him. I just brought that up. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll rally. I think I'll rally. I don't know. <laughs> in all seriousness, it actually does bring up a good question. I know you kind of mentioned yeah. changing up practice field. You guys are used to field turf, and to be quite frank, a good chunk of the teams in the area kind of run with field turf. Is that something where you feel that could be a bit of an issue in the early stages of the game Friday night, getting back to being in that natural kind of feel with the regular grass? Yeah, I think I think that's why we practice, right, just to get a feel for it. And it's not like you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you're running, throwing, catching, and blocking, right, and tackling. And I think uh, that's not going to change, but I think it's just good to get the feel of it again. I mean, to feel your cleats. Hey, you know, somebody now, so much more kids wear the molded cleats now, right? Um, do I have the right cleats in? Are these going to be able to grip, you know, well? Do I have to kind of have a plan B in place? So I think it gets you to get the, the kids to get used to it and get a good feel of what's needed from an equipment standpoint to make sure they're not out there slipping and falling and, you know, constantly struggling to get moving. So it just gives you a good feel of where you are and your equipment, what you have, and, is it doable and does it work? Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Sylvania Southview. They've looked pretty good so far, getting some wins over Northview and getting the win last week over Wade. So what are some of the big things uh, you've seen from them on film and getting ready for Friday? Yeah, um, extremely well coached. Uh, definitely tough, competitive. You can see their competitive edge kind of jumps out at you on film. I think. Um, you know, they have a couple of good athletes. I mean, not a couple, but they have a, a decent amount of good athletes. But number one uh, is a good athlete for them. And uh, Emmett Lamb, I think is the name. And he's an explosive guy that we can't let like, get loose. Uh, there's some good senior leadership they have there. They lost, uh, what, eight guys on defense, but bring back a decent amount of offense as well, too. So, you know, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be excited. They have every reason to feel extremely confident in what they're doing. They're playing well. Um, we go to their place. Uh, I think I saw the, the game they had versus Northview. I don't have to do rivalry, but. Even with the big rivalry, they still had a good good fan attendance and they had a good uh it looks like a good passion out there. So uh we're walking into a to a to a pretty good, fun and, and hostile environment that I think that our guys are up for the challenge and excited to go out there and compete and see somewhere new. So we're excited to compete against them and I am excited to see where we fit and uh, I'm sure they feel the same way. And coach to go along with that, this Friday night is your first official. NLL game of the season and what, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that one going into it of ha having the uh hit hit hitting conference play already it, it seems I don't know the the change in moving everything up like a week or so I'm thrown that it's already conference play time but 
from a coaching perspective, how do you feel that Southview is going to be your first crack at the NLL this season? We're, we're, I mean, whoever whoever it was going to be or whoever it was, we're excited. I mean, I told our guys, what a unique opportunity to be, you know, essentially a part of the history in some aspects. Like, hey, you're a part of the new NLL league, the new realignment of, of it all. And, um, you know, this is a great chance. We have two games, two non-conference ga games to kind of figure out a little bit of who we are. And I think we kind of have a good idea and know who we are. But now is a great opportunity to go out there and compete against other schools, new places, new rivalries, new things. And uh, this is a great start to it all. So I told the seniors, this is something you want to really latch on to because the opportunity to compete for a league title uh, in a new league is something that's really exciting. And, you know, here we go with our first test and our, our three, three weeks of crossover games. So we're super excited. I mean, this is a great opportunity. And I'm sure everybody's excited because it's all new. We get to play new teams, new faces, new coaches. And you've kind of alluded to it already, but what is really the atmosphere you're anticipating to walk into? Because, yeah, you, you went to Lima Senior last week, but you guys have obviously been there before. They were a team that was in your league the last few years, whereas going up to Southview and some of these other NLL teams, it'll be, you know, a completely new environment. Yeah, I think our guys are going to have to, you know, really get prepared for uh, what I have learned as kind of being a guy that's not really from the area but really has embraced it and called it home. They got to be ready for what I've been telling them is essentially the, the the perception of it all, right? Like Finley, you know, we've had some kids that have had some great success and gone on to play um, on at colleges and schools. And, you know, uh, I've felt personally that everybody's got to want a piece of us, um, you know, and how people view Finley, you know. So uh, we're, we're going up there and we're going to be prepared for, I think, what's going to be a great atmosphere. You know, they're going to want to uh, see how we perform and, and see if we – we, we are who we, we say we are, and uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty hostile. And, and like I said, I think they had a good showing when I watched the uh, Southview-Northview game that they had. I know, it's, I know it's a rivalry game, but still, I've seen rivalries where it's not been well-attended, right? Um, this was a well-attended game that was packed. Uh, so I expect the same thing, especially when they're 2-0. So all that positive momentum, uh, I look forward to it, and I know the kids do as well, too. And coach, I've heard the word opportunity a few times yes, talking sir. about this game in particular. So I got I got a feeling I think I know where this week's message is where I where I, where I need the juice from Coach Adams, but <laughs> I, I, I wanna know what what what's the message? What what's the what's the team statement going into this game Friday night for yourself, the players and the fans? Yeah, yeah, we we've just kept it pretty simple. One, we need everybody there. I mean, we need everybody in our community to show up and and create that kind of uh, atmosphere that I that I feel it's going to be and really embrace it and and, and make it happen. And I think the thing I tell our guys is, what's been great is I've kind of stepped back because we've been really player led these last couple of weeks, and a lot of guys are talking and talking. And the message is pretty simple: Hey, it's got to be a next play mentality, you know, and not being satisfied with whatever we did, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Like, hey, it didn't go our way, next play mentality. Hey, it went our way. I want more. You know, just that hunger for more every single rep, every single play. And I think we're on the verge of that. So with this opportunity, this opportunity to prove ourselves right and all the work that we've done, what a, what a better time that it started and go against into a hostile territory, into a new, a new place and, and go get a chance to win, you know, go play a football game and, and win a football game. So, you know, not, not, not letting this opportunity slip, not understanding the severity of seniors. This is you're a part of history. Don't let any opportunity or any moment slip. And um, the, the, like I said, that's my message, but I probably won't even get a chance to say it because every time I go to talk, the seniors want to talk. So that's what I'll try to get in before I get interrupted uh, openly and proudly. 
Well, forgiven for the turf comment from earlier, because I'm ready to roll. Now let's do this thing. <laughs> We're just excited, man. This is cool. This is unique. This is a uh, this is history. This is a. Uh, I try to explain that to our guys, and I, I I think they hear me, and I think they feel it, and I think they want it as well too. So we'll find out on Friday. This has been Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Southview. Appreciate you guys as always. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back to talk other things going on in the sports world here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from... NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go, NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Big B Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Big B Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. From the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB and Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Big thanks to Ryan Donnelly from Meet at Midfield, Arlington head football coach Josh McGrain, Ball Story head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for joining us so far on the show. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. Matt, just a couple of things I want to talk about in the world of sports. We'll, of course, start with the NFL. The cutdown day was yesterday for teams to get uh, their rosters down to 53 leading into the start of the season. A- any of those teams have any surprising cuts where you saw the name and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, I'll start with Cleveland. The fact that Austin Watkins Jr. lost out to David Bell makes me convinced that David Bell has some type of blackmail on Andrew Barry, and we're just not aware of it kind of situation. Uh, Watkins, I thought, was an absolute standout of the preseason for Cleveland, so very surprised to see that he got cut. Um, the, The kicker market suddenly just going bananas. I think we had four kickers traded in the past day and a half kind of thing that you don't really see that that often. So it's kind of like Cleveland started a uh, almost a pseudo kicker arms race (laughs) by trading for Hopkins from San Diego. And the only other one that stands out to me, I'll just call it as it is Doug Peterson. That has a a stone cold killer down there in Jacksonville. (laughs) He cut his own son from the team. That's got to get down to 53. Look, I get that, but man, there should be at least a little bit of room for nepotism in that situation. That's that that that, that was brutal. That's like okay, uh, P- Peterson's looking to get another Super Bowl at some point. There is. It's uh, called the practice squad. I, I guess just that. As I saw that, and they actually have tape of the situation. I was like, man, that's just cold. <laughs> My God. 
But no, I mean, really not a ton of surprises that there were a few names that kind of stood out. I think Houston cutting Christian Kirksey as well was a little bit of a surprise. Some of the bigger names like Desmond King and a few others out there that now jump into the free agency pool. There's some players out there that teams, if they're in a pinch or need a rotation guy, there's some talent to be found out there. Trey Lance, while we were calling our football games last Friday, was traded from the Niners to the Cowboys. Do you think that he can get his career on track in Dallas in a way that he never really was in San Francisco? What's kind of your take on him? Well, that's implying that he had a chance to have his career go off the rails well, right. in San Francisco. I mean, the, the kids started, what, five games total? Something like that. And did he look amazing in those games? No, not really. But by the same token, Kyle Shanahan, that, that almost seemed like one of the most shoehorned type of draft picks where John Lynch decided he loved Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan was on record saying that he wants someone like Mac Jones or someone like that, which he kind of gets that with Brock Purdy now. And those are the types of quarterbacks that he's been successful with in his career with his offense. It wasn't really the Trey Lance's or Robert Griffin, the thirds or, you know, Deshaun Kaiser's players like that. It really is more of those traditional kind of pocket passers. So I I think Trey Lance is getting put into a good opportunity. I'm really surprised a team like Washington or Tampa or some of those teams that may have not necessarily question marks, but a little bit more wiggle room at quarterback would have traded for. But by the same token, now, if you're Dak Prescott, I'm I'm a little worried about my security post contract because they just traded for a guy that was the number three overall pick just two years ago. And they got him for a song. So I, I, I'm curious to see how it shakes out. I hope for the best for him. Um, hindsight being 2020, though, that has absolutely turned into the worst draft trade in NFL history, especially considering the players that were uh, still available that San Francisco could have taken instead. Cough, cough, Justin Fields. Jonathan Taylor was not traded yesterday by the Colts self-imposed deadline. He will remain on the PUP list, so he is going to miss the first month of the season. Do you think we see him come back when he is officially ready, or is this situation just going to keep lingering? It's just going to get worse because you got a, a player that, one, understands his value, two, understands that he plays in the most finite position in the NFL right now, and three, and this is probably the most important part, an owner that's genuinely insane. I, I mean, say what you will about Al Davis back in the day, or, you know, say plenty about the just horrific person that Dan Snyder is, was, turned out to be, whatever. Bad owner, bad GM as well. Jim Ursay is like certifiable. So he's like going to not pay him, but he was expecting multiple first round picks for this guy. Well, if you're not going to pay him, why are you expecting big money payouts for people to trade for him. So no, personally, I think we do not see Jonathan Taylor at all this season. Um, I very much get Le'Veon Bell type of vibes from this one. And even if we do see him, I think it's going to be very forced. It's going to be awkward. And he's either going to be a Miami Dolphin, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bear, or Green Bay Packer at some point next season or in the offseason. It's just that this is not going to end well. 
That'll just about do it for us here today. Big thanks to Ryan Donnelly from Meet at Midfield, Arlington football coach Josh McGrain, Valstory football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams for all joining us on this show. Don't miss our coverage of high school football this weekend. On Friday, it starts at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedic Psych-Up Show. Bart and Trayvon get you ready for week three action around the Northwest Ohio area on classic hits. We'll have BVC matchup with Arlington taking on Liberty Benton on WFOB. We'll have a nearby rivalry matchup with Fostoria taking on Hopewell Loudon after the game. Stay tuned in for the NWO orthopedics scoreboard show from the Fricker studios. Martin Trayvon, a recap, all the action from Friday night. And then Saturday, we have a little Saturday afternoon high school action. Macomb will host a Beechcroft out of Columbus. You can join Jimmy Nicholson and I live from Doc Miller Field for that one right around 1 o'clock Saturday on Classic Hits 96.7. For my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Frickers Studios for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Friday to kick off week three of high school football. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.